And maybe we'll, there we go. The most wonderful time of the year. Some people don't think so. I do. I think that Christmas is just one of the most wonderful times of the year. I don't know what could be more wonderful than celebrating the birth of our Savior. Now, I know that as born-again Christians, we celebrate his birth every day. I get that. So that's why some born-again Christians kind of poo-poo and ta-ta and put down this great Christmas time. That we shouldn't just celebrate one day. We don't. We celebrate it every day. But how wonderful isn't it? Is it? Wouldn't it be great if every day we celebrated your birthday? I mean, how awesome would that be? We kind of joke in our family because pastor has two birthdays every year. Who else do you know that has two birthdays besides your pastor? Nobody. That's how special he is. Huh? He has one that his family says, his mom said, that he was born on, and then he has one that the government says he was born on. How does that work? It does. Only your pastor that I know of. But how great. So to me, Christmas is the most, that's right, mama knows best. Who's going to argue with mom? But Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year because anywhere you go in almost the whole wide world, now I realize there's a few countries that are holdouts, but you go to these places and they're celebrating the birth of our Savior. The God of all creation that robed himself in flesh came to the world and was born as us. How great is that? Now, did they have a full revelation? No. But that's our job. So Christmas, the most wonderful time of the year. So we have a choice to make. We can grumble and complain about the commercialism. We can grumble and complain about Santa Claus. We can grumble and complain about the Christmas tree and argue if you should put it up or not put it up. You can grumble and complain about should you or shouldn't you, about everything else that everybody grumbles and complains about, or get on board and take advantage of it. Quit splitting hairs. I have enough split ends. Christmas, the most wonderful time of the year. It's the season of giving. I can't afford to give. I can't afford not to give. For God so loved that he gave. I am a Christian. I am Christ-like. So I can't afford not to give. Christmas, the season of giving. Giving is my love language. I love to give. It's so hard for me not to give. I drive my husband crazy. I love to give. There are at least 21 scriptures in the Bible about giving. That tells me God cares about us giving. Now, there may be more. I don't know. But at least 21 scriptures about us giving. We only teach about giving the majority of the time about this temporary thing. You start talking about stewardship and giving, and people think, oh, there they go again. They only care about my money. I could care less about your money. Give, and it shall be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. You want to be blessed? Give. You want to be cursed? Don't give. You let an opportunity to give pass you by, and you just brought a curse on you. I don't care if you put a penny in the offering plate. You just got blessed. And we'll talk about other ways this this month. But you can bring a blessing on yourself every minute of every day by giving. 
or you can bring a curse on yourself. Your choice. Now, you guys know, Madam Tight But It's Right, Madam Buckle Up, Madam Put Your Seatbelt On, is teaching this month. And I love you. I want you to be blessed. I want you to have the snowflakes of heaven pouring down in your life. I want you to have such an abundance of snow that you can't get out of your driveway. No, not literally. But hypo- praise God, Sister Sandy, she almost couldn't. I want us to have a blizzard of blessings. I want us to have an avalanche. I want God to open up the storehouse of heaven and pour us out a blessing that we cannot contain because we give so much that he's up there going, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. I I can't keep up with you. Calvary Apostolic Church is a giving church. We sent 30, I'm sorry, it's being recorded. We sent, you guys give like I am astounded sometimes at your generosity. It blows me away. So I'm teaching to the choir. And that excites me. Yet, sometimes we think that it's only the dollar bill. And it's not. So, okay, back to my notes. And I'll, I'll, try, I'll try to behave. I sound, sound like, what's his name? Jeff Arnold. I'll, I'll try to behave. <laughs> I won't call you idiots. I won't call you morons. I'll, I'll try to behave. So, oh, so there's at least 21 scriptures. Second Chronicles 29.9 is one of them. And Malachi, whoop, I got ahead of myself. We'll back up. This is one of them. Malachi 3.10, the favorite one of everybody. You're robbing God. We, we know about that. But this one, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. You give a little bit, you're going to get a little bit. You want to get a lot, you better plan a lot. How you give is how you're going to get. You give generously, you're going to get generously. God can't give you a huge reaping if you only plant one seed of corn. You're only going to get one stalk. And I, I gave you a list on your paper, so we're not going to go over all of them. Then there's, so those are some Mark 12, 41, 44, Philippians 4, 15, 17. Those are obviously ones that relate to your money. So there are some that just relate to your money. I'm trying to lay some groundwork here. Then there's others that Talk about substance like clothing and food. Proverbs 22.9, um, Luke 3 and 11, James 2.15.16. You can read those on your own. I don't want to take up all of our time this morning. Yet there's perhaps not all of them are referring to just the giving of our money. So we need to shift our thinking here. God's not just interested in your money. For God so loved the world that he gave him a million dollars and then said, figure out how to buy your way into into heaven. You figure it out. That's what the Bible says, right? Right? No. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we know that God robed himself in flesh. That God came to this world himself as a baby. Emmanuel, God with us. He didn't send some third person in the triune to come and take his place. Emmanuel, God with us. That's the Christmas message. God gave himself a living sacrifice. 
for my sins. So, I hope that you don't mind too much that I'm going to paraphrase here. So, you can put, I put it up here so that you can bear with me with my paraphrase. But this scripture, whatsoever you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. You have to purpose in your heart what you're going to do, and God loves a cheerful giver. That's what that scripture says to Pam. Now, what it says to you is up to you, but that's what it says to me. Acts 20.35. Now, these are the scriptures that aren't talking about just your money. So, if, if I want lots of friends, I have to show myself friendly to a lot of people. Oh, nobody likes me. I'm always so lonely. I'm just sitting at home and nobody ever called me. How many people did you call this week? Nobody ever takes me out to dinner. How many people did you invite over? Nobody ever does anything for me. How many people did you do something for? Nobody ever smiled at me. God loves a cheerful giver. Are you giving it out cheerfully to a lot of people? What do you want? Give it out cheerfully in abundance and you'll get it back in abundance. If you're hoarding it in, you're not going to get it. You know how many tomatoes I got from my backyard this year? How many do you think? Take a guess. How? Zero! You know why? I didn't plant any! I was so shocked. Not. Okay. So, Acts 20.35, help the weak. And Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I need to give and not expect to get anything back. I just need to help to help. Because it's more blessed to help them than it is for them to help me. Luke 6.38, how you give is how you're going to get. This is our song, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. How I give is how I'm going to get. Proverbs 21, 26. When you're right with God, you don't hold back from giving. Oh, if you're holding back giving, maybe you're not right with God. The thing that I find in Proverbs is lots of times there's a either or. The wise man, yat, dot, 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 dot. The fool, dot, 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 dot. So this tells me he coveteth greedily all the day long. So the greedy guy doesn't give. The greedy guy's not right with God. He's hoarding it. He's just sitting there shoving this all as deep down in his pocket as he can get. And the offering plate passes by and he just, and it just goes on by. The guy that's right with God digs deep down in his pocket and chucks it all in. For camera's sake, the hand is empty. It all went back in. We're, we're good. When you're right with God, you can't give enough. Monetarily and otherwise. Proverbs. Whoop, sorry. 327. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due. 
when it's in the power of your hand. When you can do good, do it. And there's more. I've listed them. Like I said, you read it. So I want to read you a children's poem. Shel Silverstein was one of our, or is one of our daughter's favorites. So we read it a lot when we were, uh, when she was little. So listen up. It's about giving. The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. Once there was a giving tree who loved a little boy. And every day the boy would come to play, swinging from the branches, sleeping in the shade, laughing all the summer's hours away. And so they love. Oh, the tree was happy. Oh, the tree was glad. But soon the boy grew older. And one day he came and said, can I give you, can you give me some money tree to buy something I found? I have no money, said the tree, just apples, twigs, and leaves. But you can take my apples, boy, and sell them in the town. And so he did. And oh, the tree was happy. And oh, the tree was glad. But soon again, the boy came back and he said to the tree, I'm now a man and I must have a house that's all my home. I can't give you a house, he said. The forest is my house. But you may cut my branches off and build yourself a home. And so he did. Oh, the tree was happy. Oh, the tree was glad. And time went by and the boy came back with sadness in his eyes. My life has turned so cold, he says, and I need sunny days. I've nothing but my trunk, he says, but you can cut it down and build yourself a boat and sail away. And so he did. And oh, the tree was happy. And oh, the tree was glad. And after years, the boys came back. Both of them were old. I really cannot help you if you ask for another gift. I'm nothing but an old stump now. I'm sorry but I've nothing more to give. I don't need very much now, just a quiet place to rest, the boy whispered with a weary smile. Well, said the tree, an old stump is still good for that. Come, boy, he said, sit down, sit down and rest a while. And so he did. And oh, the tree was happy. And oh, the tree was glad. So my thought for this month is really quite simple. We give and we give. But do we really give what matters the most? First Peter 4.10, 4 verses 10 and 11 puts it this way. Every man hath received the gift. Even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever. Amen. So all of us have been given the gift. And all of us have been given a gift. So I don't want the measure of faith and a gift of the Spirit. We've all been given the gift of the Holy Ghost. We all have that gift that are here this morning. And we all have the gift of faith. And we all should be giving our gift out freely to others. And that, to me, is what the Christmas season is about. To go forth doing and giving in his name to others. During this most wonderful time of the year, using the gift for his purpose and his glory. We should be gifting to minister to the hearts of people not to the wants of people. The wants of people, as in our story, our poem, change throughout their life. And there's nothing wrong with meeting wants. I like to meet wants. I like to meet the wants of my family, my loved ones, people I know. I like to see that their eyes light up when they get that perfect thing that they wanted and that temporary item there's there's nothing wrong with that i'm not saying that there is but during this month i want to talk about meeting the need of the person that we come across happiness comes when we minister to the need of the person and it's amazing to me that when we give to that need that the happiness comes back to us 
That's when the blessing of God comes back to us. Giving isn't just a one-way street. In our poem, every time that the giving tree gave, the tree was happy. The tree was glad. The boy went away, and he was happy for a time. But I tend to think that when he came back and rested and sat with the tree, when the tree really gave of himself, and the boy, the man, the grown man, sat down and rested with him, that then they were both very happy. Ben Carson, to quote him, he said, happiness doesn't result from what we get, but from what we give. If you're unsatisfied and unfulfilled during the Christmas season, I suggest that it's perhaps because you're looking for what you get from the Christmas season, not for what you give during the Christmas season. I get great joy out of the Christmas season because to me it's all in what I give for the Christ, during the Christmas season. I decorate my home for others to come and see it. I put Christmas lights in my window for my neighbors to see, for the people that drive by to see. I very rarely go outside of my home except to drive down the street and look up and see and say, okay, that one's centered, it's good. When they look at it, it'll be good. I do what I do for others to see. I take great joy out of others enjoying what I do for them. And I don't say that for me, I say it for his glory. Because I, I like to give to people. I like other people to receive from what Christmas to me is about giving. Um, perhaps the trouble with our Christmas giving does not come with the actual giving, but rather what we're giving. Like the giving tree, perhaps we're giving things rather than what God really intended. God did not give things that first Christmas, but like I said, he gave of himself. He gave himself that first Christmas morning. So our challenge this Christmas season comes in what we can give others. Um, and God tells us he gave us eternal life, he gave us salvation, and beyond that, he gave us an abundant life here on earth. And I have to ask myself regularly, what am I doing with my abundant life? What am I doing, like the giving tree, what am I giving of my abundant life back to God? Because that's why he gave me my abundant life. My abundant life is not to make me happy. You've heard me teach before. God is not concerned about my happiness. God is concerned about my holiness. Everything I do should be making me holier, more Christ-like. And my giving makes me more Christ-like. So I'm told in the scriptures to give him back in return a bit of food when he's hungry. A drink of water when he's thirsty, clothing when he's naked, show him kindness when he's a stranger, and visit him just once in a while when he's lonely. So when is he those things? When I see that out and about. In other words, he's simply asking me to give of myself when I see that in other people. Now, I know that the demands on all of us are great, and oftentimes we feel just like the giving tree, that all we're doing is give, 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 um, until we have nothing more to give. But just when you think that you've given it all, you can give others what the Lord wants you to give the most. That listening ear, the word of encouragement, a shoulder to cry on, or a simple smile. Those things that cost you nothing financially, but the thing that people need the most. God does not want us to just give things to others, but he wants us to give ourselves. Because God is in me, and he wants me to give him to others. I read a quote while I was studying for this lesson. You give but little when you give of your possessions. It is when you give of yourself that you truly give. When I take the time to slow down and be sensitive to the person's need, 
that's when I see the tears well up in their eyes, when I'm sensitive to remember the person's name. And I have a, I have a hard time with that. So when I care enough to say, I'm so sorry, but I'm terrible with names. But how's your sister doing? You know, the one that last month you asked me to pray for, I've been praying for. I'm so thankful that God remembers her name, but I remember that she has cancer and she, and they go, whoa. It's okay to be transparent and say, I'm horrible with names, but I remember the need. When I take the time to walk across the street and put the neighbor's trash can back. When I take the time to little things, it makes a huge difference. So we can give the gifts. These are just a few things that we may or may not get around to talking about this month because you know I never get through everything that I hope to. The gift of time, the gift of encouragement, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of kindness, the gift of the benefit of the doubt. I'm working on that one a lot. The gift of love, the gift of you can fill in the blank. So we're going to start with the gift of time. This one will probably take us a week, week and a half. Who knows? It's my opinion and I'm the teacher, so I get to have an opinion, um, that time is one of, if not the most precious commodity that we are given. In our world today, I sure am glad that somebody put a dollar bill in here, because um, if it was a $100 bill and somebody may see us on Facebook and come running in and rob us before we're out of here today, that this is the most precious commodity that God has given us. It's not. If you steal this from me, I can go out and earn another one. But if you steal one minute of my time by being late, I can never get that that minute back. Have you ever thought about that? So when you tell me that you're going to be here at 10 o'clock and you get here at 10.05, I can never get that five minutes back. Have you ever thought about that? I am so thankful for a mother that taught me that if I'm not ten minutes early to anything, I'm five minutes late. I am so thankful for that. Time. You can't ever earn it back. Once you've spent it, you've spent it. It is the most precious commodity that God has given us. God allocated your time before you were ever born. I only read in one time in the Bible that he gave anybody some extra time and then that person blew it. Maybe that's why he never gave it that I know of in the Bible that he ever gave anybody anymore. I don't know. But anyway, um, neither here nor there. <clears throat> some use their time wisely. Some, well, not so much. But it's our choice. People have figured out Oh, I missed a point. Hmm, how about that? Some people have figured out how to work longer and make more money, but no one has figured out how to make more time. Think about that a minute. Some people have figured out how to work longer and make more money, but nobody has figured out how to make more time. When you wake up in the morning... At midnight tonight, if you set your alarm for 12 o'clock and you say, I'm going to stay up and work 24 hours so I can work overtime, you can make more money, but you can still only work 24 hours in that day. There's only 24 hours to every day. That's it. Nobody can make more time. Winston Churchill put it this way. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. That's using our time wisely. In a time when we have, in a period of era of time, when we have more modern conveniences than ever before, we waste more time than we ever had, in my opinion. 
Women used to have time to have coffee together. Women used to have time to stand out in the backyard and chat and visit. Did you know that God made ladies to need more fellowship than men? We are geared emotionally and internally to need more fellowship, more chit-chat, conversation time than men. I know this will shock you, but women are different than men. Physically, emotionally, mentally, we're different. I know that's a big shock. You know that book, Men Are From Venus, Women Are From Mars, or vice versa, whichever. I never read it, but whatever. It was right. Modern day is wrong. We are different. God made us male and female. It started in the beginning. Women need fellowship more than men. We used to have that. Now, with all of our modern conveniences, when we should have more time, we have less time. Shame on us. We have less time for everything that's important and more time for everything that's not important. We're running around like a bunch of chickens with our heads cut off. And as the Bible says, my brethren, this ought not be. And men, God bless their souls, are working time and a half and triple time to earn all this money for stuff that nobody needs. Families used to live in the same house and build a little extra room for the ten extra kids that they had, and everybody was happy. And now ain't nobody happy, and they live in these big million-dollar homes. Nobody's happy because nobody's having time together because everybody's working. Oh, time. Time. Because time is such an important commodity, we're going to talk about it before we talk about how we can gift it. Because if you don't know how important it is and how to manage it, you can't gift it. If you don't have any of it, if I don't have any money, I can't buy you a present. Right? So if I don't have any time, I can't use it to gift you with it. Right? Didn't get any amens on that one. Okay, amen, good. So just like teaching people how to run a budget, young people aren't taught that in school anymore. We teach them physics and advance this and advance that and advance everything, and we don't even teach them how to balance a checkbook. Hello! And then they pay mega bucks to go to these mega classes to spend money to learn what they should have been taught for free in ninth grade. Hello. Why would I pay somebody to teach me how to work a budget? Anyway, come to me. I'll teach you for free. Biblical principles on how to do a budget. I'll do it for free. Anyway. Okay, Pam. It's okay. Life is good. Jesus is on the throne. The Bible gives us two examples of those who manage their time. Proverbs 24, 30, and 31. One of the examples is the man who's slothful. That's never a good example. Say the word slothful with me. Does it sound good in your mouth? No, that tells me I don't want to be that person. This man's field was all grown over. His face was covered with nettles. That doesn't sound good. And his walls were broken down. If your walls are broken down, you have no defenses. They can just come in and rob you blind. Then in Luke 12, verse 42, there's a faithful and wise steward. Anybody want to be faithful? I've got one amen. Anybody want to be wise? Okay. Whom the Lord made ruler over his household and gave a portion in due season. So those are two examples. 
So time measure management can either elevate you or it can take you to poverty. That's how important time management is. It's as important as knowing how to have a good budget with your dollars. So time management is your ability to make the most out of the 24 hours that God has given you. Every one of us is given the same $24 every day. How you spend it is up to you. Some people can get so much done with their $24. I mean, they can buy the best of the best with their $24. They dress like a million. They eat the best steaks. I mean, they drive the best car. It's never out of gas. It's just amazing what they can do with their $24. Other people live in a shack. They don't even have oatmeal to eat. They wear rags. You're looking confused. They can't do anything with their $24. They never have two nickels to rub together. They just wasted and squandered their $24. All of us are given 24 hours in every day. How we choose to use it is up to us. Some people waste it. They sit around and play video games. They sleep. Some people just work all day. Work is a good thing. But all work and no Anything else isn't a balanced life. I mean, you have three circles. You have God, family, work. You need to balance those three circles. I mean, I wish that I had time to spend a whole three months on time management. Because that's how long it takes to teach this right. And we lack in this area. And then we wonder why there's divorce and why there's... Too much health problems and you name it. Confusion and brains and you name it. Our lives are just helter skelter. But our, you know, we're all off balance. Some people can work their job and have time for God and have time for their spouses and time for their children and their houses are clean and their meals are cooked and their, everything's in order. They take their 24 hours and they keep it in balance. Now, do you live your life the same every 24 hours of every day, every Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? No, but you have to have a schedule in your life. Because if you don't do the same thing every Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, other, if you keep putting it off, then Saturday comes and you're like, whoop. Well, I'll clean the toilets next Monday. Whoop, I'll clean. And pretty soon it's been 17 Mondays and the toilets have never been cleaned. And the doorbell rings and you're like, whoop, shut that door. Oh, I hope they don't need to use the toilet. I hope that they don't need to sit on the couch either. And I hope that they don't need, shh, they'll never know we're home. Because the 24 hours never got managed. So, it's your ability to make the most out of the 24 hours in the, of the day that God has given you. This ability enables you to identify and keep the priorities in your life. Sometimes in life, you're going to have different priorities at different times in your life. Or rather, it's keeping God's priorities in your life. I can't have my own priorities in my life. I have to have God priorities in my life. With good time management skills, you are in control of your time, your life, of your stress, and your energy levels. You make progress for the work at hand. You are able to maintain balance between your work, personal, and family lives. You have enough flexibility to respond to surprises and opportunities. Now, some people say, well, it's just not me. I'm just not the organized type. I'm just not a type A. I'm not a... 
Well, then to that, I have to say, so the word of God doesn't apply to you? Is God wrong in expecting you to be a good steward of the time he has gifted you with? He can only expect a portion of his people to be good stewards of time. He can only expect a portion of his people to manage the giftings and his gifts, and the other can be slothful. Hold your buckle up. Don't misunderstand me. I realize that all of us are unique and created individuals. Some things just do not come naturally to me. By nature, I'm an introvert. When I, first time I ever took that Briggs-Meyer test, I was off the chart this way. Extroverts here, introverts here, and I was over here. I'm off the chart. By my God-given nature, I'm off the chart as an introvert. So I had to allow God to work to achieve what he wants me to do in my life. To use me to stand in front of people to teach, to greet strangers, to go out in public, to be in large crowds. The list goes on and on. By nature, I'm an organizer. I love to organize. Time management comes naturally to me. Didn't have to work on that at all, God. So I relate to your pain. If you're not type A, I am. My husband, on the other hand, is an extrovert. Loves people. He can't stand to be shut up in the house for over a day. He starts climbing and scratching at the door saying, let me out. I need people. If we're out in crowds for more than a little bit, I say, let me in. I can't stand it. Shut off the sound. Opposites to attract. There's a reason for that. It brings balance in our life. So we are all individuals and have different personalities, but God expects the same of everyone when it comes to his expectations of the word of God. And he can train us. Old dogs can learn new tricks. I'm a witness of that and an example of that. Not that any of you are old nor dogs. If I am content as I am, then I will not seek improvement. All time management skills are learnable. But you must see the need and be willing to change. So time is a gift from God. And we have to see it as a gift. It is the one thing that we are all given the exact same amount of each day. I think it would be so cool if God made us all gazillionaires. I just think that would be like so cool. If he made everybody at Calvary Apostolic Church who's a faithful tither and giver gazillionaires. I just think that would be like so cool. But anyway, the one thing that he gives us all the same of is 24 hours in the day. Stewardship of that time is a choice. And it will be the gift that we are giving back to God this week. Stewardship, remember our 21 verses that we started our lesson with, is more than giving of just our dollars. God gives us 24 hours every day to use as we choose. So ask yourself, how will we do that? Don't say you don't have enough time. You have exactly the same number of hours per day that were given to Helen Keller, Pasteur, Michelangelo, Mother Teresa, Leonardo da Vinci, Thomas Jefferson, and Albert Einstein. So then I have to ask myself, what am I achieving? Whose life am I impacting with my 24 hours? I pray someone's. Don't be so busy doing that you have no time to be. In order to have good time measurement, management, you have to set priorities and have goals. If you aim for nothing, you are sure to hit it. And I taught on this several years ago, so we're not going to go deep into it. If you weren't there, go back and listen to the um, audios or ask for a CD if you're that interested in it. So we're not going to get too, too much into it. But your goals have to be smart goals. 
They have to be specific, measurable, attainable, rewarding, and timely. So specific, really quick. Specific. With a specific goal, you can clearly see what it is you want to achieve. Specific standards for the achievement. In making your goals specific, it's important that you actually write them down. The more specific your goal, the more realistic your success will be. Does that make sense? So a specific goal. I want to win a soul. That's really ambiguous. A soul. I want to witness to Mary. That's specific. Measurable. For a goal to be measurable, you need a way to measure the progress. For some specific criteria that you will that will tell you when the goal is achieved. Feeling the progress is very important for you to stay on task. I'm going to walk over and take cookies to Mary. While I'm there, I will mention that's measurable. I will do that on Tuesday. That's measurable. Attainable. An attainable goal is a goal that you can see a realistic path to achievement and a chance of achieving it. This does not mean that the lower you aim, the more likely you are to reach success. It is well known that goals that work best have a challenge to them. They are ambitious as possible, but still reachable. That will give you more motivation and a sense of achievement. So it has to be attainable. I'm going to fly to the moon. Yeah, no, probably not. I'm going to win a hundred souls. I'm going to teach a hundred Bible studies in 2019. Probably not if I didn't even teach one in 2018. I'm going to smile every day. Probably not if I didn't even smile once in 2018. Make it attainable. Rewarding. A goal must either be rewarding or one that we, or we will not accomplish it. It will be more rewarding if you have a clear reason why you want to reach that goal. You have to want to do it or you're not going to do it. Well, pastor says we have to. Sister Parker says we have to. Timely. The fifth requirement for smart goal setting is that your goal should be within a specific time limit. This goal is your protection from procrastination. So we're going to start gifting. You're going to give time this month. I have a chart up here. And we'll finish up our time because I don't want to go over time because we're doing time management. That would not be good. So we'll finish up our time and go on to other things um, <clears throat> next week, too. But some ideas are listed on your paper. Some ideas, some very practical ideas. Shoveling snow. You can shovel snow for your neighbors. You can just go sit and talk to somebody. You can read a story. You can serve a meal to someone. You can call somebody and chat with them. You can send somebody a card. You can write a letter to somebody. Go to the hospital and sit in the, in the waiting room somewhere and strike up a conversation with somebody. Go to the nursing home and read to somebody or visit somebody that doesn't have somebody to visit with them. Uh, a poem that was in the um, book, A Little Princess. If nature has made you for a giver, your hands are born open, and so is your heart. And though there may be times when your hands are empty, your heart is always full. And you can give out things, you can give things out of that. Warm things, kind things, sweet things, help and comfort and laughter. And sometimes gay, kind laughter is the best help at all, of all. You can come clean the church. Do you know somebody that's caring for someone in their home? Call them up and say, hey, do you need me to come and help you clean your house? Do you need me to come and, and stay in your home while you run to get groceries? Can I go get groceries for you? Walk through Walmart. And while you're in Walmart, don't have your own agenda. But do you see somebody that's in a, in a scooter cart? Offer to get things off the top shelf for them. Have you ever wondered how people in scooter carts get the items to put in their carts? Be standing at the checkout counter at Walmart. Help people put their items from their scooter carts up onto the conveyor belt. It's amazing to me the simple little things that you can do for people. 
when you think and take the time. Engage your thought, your, your thought. So here's, here's some papers. You can take one and pass it out with a chart, one, two, three through 25. You have to do two today because you missed yesterday and today's already the second. These are not original ideas. I found them on Facebook. Facebook can be a wonderful resource if you want it to be. Um, so you see, giving the gift of time isn't just for others, but it's going to come back to you. There's a Chinese proverb that goes like this. If you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. If you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. If you want happiness for a lifetime, help somebody. So if you want happiness for the whole season, find somebody every day to do something for. And if you want happiness throughout your whole day, continue to find somebody throughout the whole day. Give a smile to somebody. It doesn't have to be huge, big things. It doesn't have to cost you anything except for yourself. And being aware of people. Being aware of people. Instead of, I won't even go there, but instead of being thinking of you, get out of yourself. Be aware of the people around you. Say something kind to the mom that's in doing her Christmas shopping and has the children screaming in the cart and you know good and well she's tired. And instead of scowling at that child that's screaming and you're thinking, why don't you take that kid home? Don't think that. Smile at her. Say a simple Merry Christmas if you can't say anything else. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that poor mom? And maybe she's not the best mom in the world. Maybe I have heard her screaming and you want to say, would you like me to take them? But, you know, your kind word could be the very thing that helps those children and helps her. You could be the only person that says something kind. So, take the time to do something kind this coming season. There you go. Enjoy your break. There you go. Love y'all. You can take one to Brother Wayne if you want to. Okay. Thanks.